wood? Oh, yeah. You are now listening to Blast Burn Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Blastburn Radio. I am your host, Jolly by Nature, and with me today, as always, are our spoopy time friends, our ghostly co-hosts, Celeste and Messer Engine. Thanks for joining me today, guys. How's it going? Who are you going to call? Yeah. Yeah, that good Ghostbusters reference. I am great. I've been on vacation. It has been wonderful. I have not been at work. Like, I cannot even tell you. How much every day this week I woke up and just wanted to throw confetti and just be like, yes, this is the best. It's almost over, though. I got tomorrow and then I'm back to work. But for now, I'm excellent. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Been really busy at work, learning a lot, taking courses on different coding methods in JavaScript, as well as React, which is a library for it. So my brain's kind of fried from all that. And in the middle of all doing this, trying to code things myself, and at some points of the day without any help, which is interesting. So, <laughs> just a fried brain this week. I am sure that most of those were English words. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, uh huh. I if I didn't do an internet podcast, you would probably think I'm a ludite. Um. I'm pretty fucking good. Uh, it's been a long week, but it's been a, a good and a rewarding one, I think. I got to see some family today that I never get to see, and so that's always real fucking cool and exciting. I'm going to a convention next week, and that's real awesome. Gen Con is the big gaming convention here in Indianapolis, and I'll be going on Saturday and only on Saturday. So that's a lot of stuff to squeeze in to see in a very short period of time. Uh, and I've got some really good friends from out of state who are coming into town for it. So it's going to be a real, real exciting time. I'm jelly. I mean, I'm kind of jelly. That many people scares the shit out of me, but I, I'm hypothetically jelly. Uh, it's kind of the worst. We actually, we brought Delilah with us when she was an infant. Like we, we actually, it was adorable. We got... Us and our friends from Texas, we have little girls who are almost exactly the same age. They were born inside a month of each other. And we got them matching, like, Horde Alliance World of Warcraft, like, onesies and <laughs> and ribbons. And so we had Delilah all kitted out in her little hoardy fit. And we had her in the stroller, and we were wheeling her around. And it was the most miserable experience in the world. Because you, you couldn't wheel a stroller through there. People were, like, trying to step over our baby and shit. Like, it was awful. Uh, never, never again with the children. Conventions are not a safe place for children. You you tried to, to walk through there with a stroller and Ragnaros was like, too soon! <laughs> uh, and no one else listening to this got that joke. Yeah, yeah, we're talking, a, we're making a lot of World of Warcraft res- references for a podcast that has nothing remotely to do with Blizzard Entertainment. Except we technically all three met through wow so there's that yeah that is true yeah but that's an us thing not a blast burn radio thing <laughs> yeah they kind of go hand in hand now <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. it, it's been almost a year it, it has been almost a year we're getting real real close to that anniversary and i'm real hyped for it all right guys well let's go ahead and jump into this week's content and that includes our 
Community news. Now, where for the last several weeks there has been a, a deluge of news, we have been drowning in current events uh, within the Pokemon community. This week, there was barely a trickle, just not a whole lot happening. Uh, that said, there is some interesting stuff going on, so let's jump into this week's Pokemon news. Here is the Poke News. The Poke News. All right, folks. So this is your final reminder to get out and participate in the July Year of Legendaries event. And it's the final one because July's almost over. Like, there's just not a whole lot of time left. To recap, this month, Game Freak is giving us the opportunity to pick up Tornadus or Thunderous. Uh, again, if you have Sun or Ultra Sun, you get Thunderous. If you have Moon or Ultra Moon, you get Tornadus. They come at a higher level and with a gold bottle cap in the Ultra versions as opposed to the regular old sun and moon now for our friends in europe and oceania this event has been live and is remaining live through tomorrow as of this recording today as of its release it might already be over by the time you're hearing this that event ends on july 22nd here in the u.s this event is being distributed by target stores and it remains in active distribution for july 28th so we've got about a week left and in Canada, codes were distributed by the Trainers Club newsletter. You should already probably have gotten that. If you haven't found it, then check your spam folder. Now, for our North American friends in particular, if you haven't made it to Target and you're not sure when you will, don't panic. I know that we had several reports in our community that the last event that was distributed by Target, that they had a, a pretty huge surplus of codes even after the event had technically ended. So it might not be quite the hard cutoff that it is with like the GameStop events, but yeah, make sure to get out and get your code while they are available before they are gone forever. Now, this week brought the announcement of the next Pokemon Global Link tournament, and this one is a really cool one. Game Freak has announced the Let's Go Cup. This is a 1v1 tournament where participants may only use either Eevee or Pikachu. That's it. One Eevee or one Pikachu. Registration for this event runs from July 26th through August 2nd, and battles are live from August 3rd through August 5th. Uh, aside from the obvious gimmick in this format, this tournament is different and notable in that instead of the normal in-game BP reward, all participants are rewarded with a special mobile wallpaper. So you get the opportunity to download an exclusive wallpaper for your mobile device. Uh, so yeah, this should be a really fun and quirky and kind of silly tournament, so get your battle on, everybody. Now, Pokemon Go Fest has come and gone, and without a hitch, shockingly, this time. But things keep rolling right along in Pokemon Go. Messer Engine, what is the latest news coming out of Pokemon Go this week? Well, you remember how uh, we talked about all those special goals for Go Fest? Yeah, we crushed those. I and mean, we've been reaping in the rewards. Specifically, everyone has been enjoying double hatch and capture candy, guaranteed rare candy for raids, and halved egg hatching distance all week. These rewards remain active through Monday, 7:23. so take advantage of those before they're gone. In addition, we did get the promised Zapdos Day event, which was today. For a three-hour period today, all raid bosses were Zapdos, Zapdos all the time. They exclusively knew the fast-move Thundershock, and they had a chance to be shiny, which is real neat. Raid battle bosses were also rotated this week, with Registeel replacing Regice in Rank 5 raids. We also got new bosses in the lower ranks, including Alolan Raichu, Alolan Executor, and Alolan Marowak. 
Thank you, Master Engine. That's really fucking dope. Like, that almost makes you want to play Pokemon Go again to be like, hey, I want to get this really fucking badass Alolan Marowak. But not not enough. Nope, I'm not doing it. You know what's really <laughs> neat? Actually, like, I was talking with, with Nancy about this. And supposedly at GoFest, the way they had things set up, they had these little, um, like, biomes in the park. So there was, like, actual decor for like an ice area so like an igloo and stuff like that so you could get really good ar screenshots while you were there catching pokemon which is really really neat i think that just that's real cool so that you could it's kind of like a unique to the event kind of thing that you can't get elsewhere yeah like the fact that go fest went well this year is just really encouraging on all fronts and as close as i am that kind of honestly makes me want to consider going next year a little bit even as much as pokemon go is not really my cup of tea like the fact that they can actually put together a successful event is heartening i think they knew it was make it or break it yeah (laughs) if this one had fucked up there was not going to be another one absolutely now, the last bit of news that we have this week is small, but it's pretty significant. Uh, Janichi Masuda, who is among the highest ranking officials at Game Freak and is certainly among the most hands-on among the board of directors with the games, he did an interview with Famitsu about Pokemon Let's Go. Uh, the full interview was actually published very recently. It's not yet translated, at least not reliably, into English. However, certain excerpts were released early, and those have been clearly translated. And and they had some really interesting information. Uh, Masuda doubled down on previous comments. He reiterated that Let's Go is going to explore a much newer and more experimental place, whereas the yet unnamed 2019 release will share much more in common with the rest of the series. It's also implied by his statement that the 2019 titles will lack Let's Go's local multiplayer, with Masuda stating, to quote, As for the 2019 title, we're working with the idea that everyone will be playing on their own Switch. It'll have the same kind of feeling as the previous games on handheld systems. Masuda was also asked about whether you'll be able to transfer Pokemon from Let's Go to other titles in the series. His response was, to quote, There have been times where you couldn't bring Pokemon over from previous titles. I imagine that created some bad memories. I want to try to change that if I can. So yeah, it appears that Masuda is aware of the negative feedback of lack of connectivity, but he was also pretty non-committal on how it was being addressed and what the scope of any connectivity with future games would be. Just kind of giving us a vague, yeah, I'd like to. What do you guys think? Does anything in these brief statements stand out as particularly interesting to you from what we've heard so far? One of the things that I find really interesting about his statement about the lack of local multiplayer is the way that it's phrasing, granted, a lot when things are translated from Japanese, like it's it's not always the best translation, in my opinion. As somebody who watches a shit ton of anime, <laughs> but his exact words were we're working under the impression basically that everyone's gonna be playing on their own Switch. That doesn't mean no multiplayer. It means we expect everybody to be playing on their own system. Like there's an implication there that there may be multiplayer. It's just you won't be able to play it local, which is real interesting to me. Which is more about what he doesn't say than what he does say. I realize that. Please don't at me. But I I do think that's real interesting. Yeah, I actually heard the same thing. Are we going to be getting almost a Pokemon multiplayer MMO type thing where you're connecting to other people's worlds and playing with them? or Or at least via their friend codes. Yeah, stuff like that. 
I wouldn't put that particular tinfoil hat on your head. That's one that the community tends to dredge out every single release cycle <laughs> and are eternally disappointed on. But no, I hear you. And that is really interesting. I also, you know, I postulated way, way back that there might be some credence to Nintendo releasing a a, a kind of bare bones stripped down handheld exclusive version of the switch right around the same time Pokemon releases. And I feel like the wording of that particular statement might lend a little bit of credence to that as well. Maybe that's just me reading what I want to read into it. But again, it'll have the same feeling as the previous games on handheld systems. We are working with the idea that everyone will be playing on their own switch. That just feels to me, you know, cause again, the switch is a significantly more expensive console than, than the DS ever was or the 3DS ever was. And so that says to me that maybe they know something that we don't about forthcoming changes that will affect affordability. Maybe not. Maybe they're just assuming that all the Pokemon fans are going to make it rain on, on Nintendo, but that's how it read to me. Maybe. Well, what's what's interesting, the reason why I kind of highlight the multiplayer comment there is, you're right, the, the community dredges this up every release, but we've never had local multiplayer before on any release, and they just did it. So clearly, that's something that's cycling around in their heads. I don't know. There was just something interesting in there. And it may be that we don't see something like that till Gen 9. They're going to look at the lessons they learned from the 2019 release and from Let's Go and then see if that's worth putting in. But again, the Switch is significantly more powerful piece of hardware. And there's some interesting things there. Like we've talked before about how doubles battles are, you know, VGC is the, the competitive format. And you don't see it a lot in the main games. Well, if you're able to play local multiplayer and everything was doubles battles, now wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of validity there, and I think that could be a a whole lot of fun, honestly. We'll have to see if it comes to anything. I do also, my last little nugget from these couple little statements is I'm really heartened by the fact that they seem aware of how damaging it was to their fledgling community that, that Gen 3 was not backwards compatible to Gen 2 because that was a clear reference to that, right? And how it, it was not a big hit with their community. Like, it... It makes you feel good as a fan to know that the people in the highest reaches of the the property that you're a fan of know the things that make you upset about it. Yeah, they they have a binder in their office with all the death threats from children (laughs) that happened around the time of Hoenn. And they just, whenever they start a new development cycle, they just flip through it and read some of them and remember. It's important. It is. It is very important. If you don't let if you don't let me bring my shinies forward, I'm going to fucking riot. (laughs) <laughs> I think a lot of people would riot, especially after all the the fucking wormhole legendaries from Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, where you're just like running around finding shinies and wormholes, and they're like, you can't transfer anything forward. They get to stay there, and you're like, no, <laughs> go go full on Vader. You go full on Vader. Yeah, that the end scene of uh, Revenge of the Shit. Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what would happen. Let's we're making lots of references tonight. You never go full Vader. You never go full Vader. <laughs> oh shit! Well, that's that's our Pokemon news this week. Again, it was a little skimpy, but I think that there were some some pretty interesting tidbits, and I'm I'm glad we got to cover them. But let's go ahead and jump into our series, which was 
Spoilers, also maybe a little skimpy this week, but I think still had some pretty interesting nuggets. So this was the fifth week of our Generation 4 series. This week saw our intrepid heroes prosecute an act of domestic terrorism. We delivered jewelry to Cynthia's grandma, defended priceless artifacts from Team Bullcut. We explored new routes, hunted for exciting items, and we finally took on our gym challenge for the week, which for myself was the deadly Cracker Wake in Pastoria City, and for Mess and Celeste, it was the graceful Fantina of Heart Home City Gym. Now, as always, Messer Engine was up to play first, so Mess Buddy, how was your week in gameplay this week? Uh, it was fine. Uh, there, there were no no near-death experiences, certainly. Though we will talk about a, a notable moment of terror I had while leveling a Pokemon in our team this week. Running down the Team Galactic Grunt at the start of the week was the funniest fucking thing ever. Because he's just like, huff, 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 huff. You're still fucking following me. He's talking to himself the entire way. I'm like, if you would just actually run, like, you'd get away. I'm walking. Like, what the fuck is your problem? But yeah, we didn't have to fight Cyrus this week, so that was pretty good. Team Bullcut, mostly pushovers. The scariest part of this week, honestly, was actually going through the fog. I did not have a defogger with me. And running into trainers in the fog where there's mischance, especially a... I know Jolly ran into this one, too. The Curse Grotal was legitimately a, a little scary. That got a little out of hand, but it, it, it got managed. Our biggest concern for the week was dealing with Fantina. And we actually decided that since I was on vacation, I had some time to do some stuff I wouldn't normally be able to do. Namely, level a Pokemon from 1 to 36 and EV train it. And that decision was to go hatch our egg, which we got a while back. And has just been sitting in the bank so that we could get a Blissey. Everybody knows that I I love Chansey and Blissey a whole lot, so that was real exciting. We hopped on a bike, did a lot of biking back and forth, got it to hatch, made it super happy, got it all evolved, got it EV trained, and it was during this time that the scariest thing that ever happened in the week happened. Fans of the show, uh, Disco Sniper and Penguin Mage, hopped into my stream in the middle of the day to say hello, and they said, hey, we're going to be jumping in and out. And a couple minutes later... Disco jumps into my stream and he says, hey, I got a bunch of kids here. They want to see your Blissey. Can you send it out front? And I said, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. I mean, I'm not going to fight with it. It's super frail and it's not EV trained yet. So its defense is absolute garbage, not kind of garbage. So I threw it in the front. I went and fought a fisherman thinking that it would be totally okay. It's a fucking fisherman. It's going to have a Goldeen. No, no, I had a Gyarados. I had a Gyarados and it was real, real bad. Then I had to switch something into taking a hit from the Gyarados instead of just murdering it with my Luxray, which I would have done. And that got a little spoopy. But we, we made it out okay. Sweet Egg Baby is fine. Uh, Sakura is okay. I could not fit the name Remembrance in there. It was one letter off. I was real sad about that because that's always what my chance is called on Showdown. And the great thing about Blissey is that Fantina's Ms. Magius can't do shit to it. It's got all special moves. And we picked up Toxic this week, so that was super, super dope. But here was the problem. Everything in my team is running, like, electric moves, dark moves, and ground moves. And I, if I want to do the gym hard mode, I can't do any of those things. Because Ghastlies and Haunters and Gengars can't be toxic. All Ghosts 
are vulnerable to dark moves and half of the ones that are in that gym, the drift looms and the drift looms are also vulnerable to electric. So I was like, I don't really have good, good options to neutral hit these ghosts. So I guess we're going to do it easy mode. I got to declare when I walk in the door. So I walked in the door and I'm like, we're doing it easy. That's sucky, but this is what it is. And then I found out that so long as you can do math, which I can, you don't have to find any of the trainers. So I threw away 20 points for no reason, which was real, real sad. We fought Fantina and it was fine. It was no, no problem. Took care of her drift blim. Piece of cake. We got, you know, we got a Luxray for that. Just a whole lot of electric doom. The Gengar was running a physical set. So that was weird. It didn't come out second, though, which was a surprise. The Miss Magius came out second. And Blissey took care of that. Blissey just came in and was like, dope, 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 I'm an egg. And Toxic murdered it all the way down. And then we cleared the Gengar out and we had our points for the week. It was really that open and shut. Real short gameplay week. There was a lot of kind of mugging old people for money this week on all ends. Um... So we picked up some TMs, too, which was cool. But yeah, that that was it. Not a lot to say here. Now, we're basically at the halfway point of the series, right? We're actually at the... Because it's it's a nine-week series, we're at the just past the halfway point of the series. So, halfway in, Mess, how how are you feeling about your, your team right now? Um... I honestly don't know. Like, I, I usually have a pretty good sense by this time in the series. And I'm not sure if it's because we were on break for a while or because I haven't played Gen 4 in so long. But I'm kind of I'm kind of lukewarm on the team right now. And it's not for lack of, like, good team members who have done, you know, good work. I, I think I find myself in an odd place where I really wish my... Probably my favorite Mon that I've caught this series, my Mistrevious, can't evolve until like week eight, which really kind of bums me out. You know, Speedy's been real good, real happy with him. For the most part, oh, I also have a fucking jolly bronze on, y'all, so that's a fucking thing. Yeah, they're they're not bad. They're not the A-team. I like them fine, but they, they have yet to collectively win my heart, I guess is the best way to... To put it out there, a couple individual standouts, but they're still getting their gel together as a as a cohesive group. That's fair. How do you feel about your starter? How do you feel about Speedy? Speedy's real good. Speedy's real good. I'm not going to spoil anything for this week for you listeners, but I am really glad that I picked Speedy. I know that there was a lot of like angry backlash when I didn't pick my good boy, Chimchar, but it it felt good to make a very different decision than I would normally make, and... I think Speedy's been really good for me. It's got the second highest attack on my team, guys. It's got a 109 attack stat. That's insane. It's like one higher than its defense stat. He's just been all around real great. Of course, he picks up that quad ice weakness this week, or did this week. So that's a little worrisome. But all in all, he's he's gotten me out of some pickles. Some real, real tight, tight spots. So... No complaints about Speedy. I'd never really played with a Turtwig seriously or that line seriously before, and I'm glad that I did. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with him. At this point in the series, five weeks in, if you had to name a team MVP right now, who would get it? I think it would go to Speedy. I've used Speedy to curse my way through gyms pretty reliably, actually, and has been responsible for preventing like loss of life at minimum. 
with his excellent attack and defense and moveset. I don't know. I might give an honorable mention to Radar. Radar's a real good bat. Not perfect. I didn't even train that bat, but it's real good. I, I'm very, very lucky to have gotten two good bats over the course of our series. Well, good. I, I would probably agree with that for you. So I'm, I'm glad that you're seeing good value. Even if you don't love the team as a whole, as a unit at this point, I'm glad that you're seeing value in at least some of your good, good boys. Now, for myself, I did, of course, play second. And actually, much like last week, because we were on a compressed, this, a compressed week this week because of our Friday night fight stream yesterday, I, I was playing back-to-back. So I actually streamed Monday and Tuesday this week. There was no Friday night Nuzlocke stream, and I had completely wrapped up my at least the important bits of my weekend gameplay before Celeste even touched hers on Wednesday. So... For the first time in a long time this week, I did not really come into gameplay with an eye towards my encounters on the week. Like, I wasn't really plussed about it. Part of that was because the encounters that we had available on the week were straight Garbo. I'm not even going to bullshit on that. <laughs> the best possible encounter I had on my week was was a Pichu. Uh, and I didn't get it. I got the Pikachu instead. Which you might think, isn't that better? It's already evolved. Well, it can't learn Nasty Plot. So, nope. Womp womp. It's actually worse. <laughs> but, you know, sliding doors, open windows. I wasn't going to use that fucking Pikachu no matter what it was. So, it's fine. It's going to live in the bank forever now what i was looking for coming into this week was 70 big points from hard mode gym and it was lots and lots of fucking money because we need lots and lots of money so that we can have the good good stuff and i was the one who calculated and devised how to make all the fucking money in the planet these assholes just saw me do it and went hey i'm gonna do exactly what he's doing but i actually did the math and said hey who in this game gives you the most money for beating them what level are they? Where are they? And can I abuse them with the VS Seeker? And the answer to all those questions was right here, right now, and fucking yes, you can. So like Bob the Builder, we did it. <laughs> I I started in Veilstone City, where we took on Maylene last week. And I decided, even though we had already been to Pastoria in our roundabout circle to get all our good encounters last week, I decided to take my time and more thoroughly explore the routes and areas between Veilstone and Pastoria. So we went back through all that stuff. And as a part of that route, we hit up the luxury restaurant in Valor Lakefront. Now, I wanted to hit up the restaurant because... Much like with our elderly one percenter couple on Route 212 that we could mine endlessly for money, all of the people inside the restaurant are real, real rich and give a big cash payout for beating them. So it felt like a very valuable and very worthwhile stop. The challenge, however, comes in the fact that those are all double battles. And that's something that maybe I didn't give enough weight to. I know how double battles are in Nuzlocke Runs. They have bit me before. They're very unpredictable. Things double into things. Switching decisions become much harder. They're just... A lot of times when bad things happen in Nuzlocke runs, they happen in double battles. It's just the way those work. But I didn't really worry too much. And so, in the process of clearing out that restaurant and making all that good, good EXP and good, good money, I entered into a double battle where I was leading with Cosmo... Armonferno, and Jimmy, the Rotom. Our opponent sent out a Chingling, 
and a machoke. Now, my exact thought process was, you know, I could ominous win the chingling. It's going to go down in one hit. And I could fire blast the machoke. Maybe not kill it, but do some big dick damage. But then the follow-up thought to that was, well, if I fire blast it and I don't kill it, fire blast has a burn chance and machoke can know guts. I could be signing my own death certificate by assigning my moves in that manner. So then I was like, well, okay, I can swap out Cosmo for our newly renamed Umbreon. I'm sorry, that's one important note that I forgot to hit on. Because the the rhyming of the names Jimmy and Timmy caused so much goddamn confusion in PvP last week, we stopped by the name raider and we renamed our Umbreon for the convenience of my fair co-hosts. Uh, so our Umbreon is now named Crocker. So that's the thing. So I thought about switching Cosmo into Crocker. Problem there is there's a Machoke out. That Machoke could stab, fighting, hit Crocker. And, you know, Crocker's a big, beefy boy, but he's still going to take some damage from a Machoke's stab, vital throw. So I was like, okay, I can Fire Blast that Chingling. That Fire Blast will one-hit KO that Chingling. There's no fucking question. It's a Chingling. It'll murder it. And I can just Ominous win the Machoke and finish it off next turn. That felt like the safe play. Cosmo uses Fire Blast. Fire Blast misses. Jimmy uses Ominous Wind. Ominous Wind chunks the Machoke for about 50% of his health. The Machoke uses Seismic Toss and chunks Cosmo for a good quarter of his health. That fucking Chingling uses Confusion and it crits. And down goes Cosmo to a fucking Chingling. In a series of events... Where if any of those things had not happened, if that fire blast had not missed, or if that Machamp or Machoke had not doubled into Cosmo, or if the confusion had not crit, if any of those three things had not happened, then that would have been a, woo, that was close. But it wasn't close. It was done. And our sweet baby fire monkey was gone. To much wailing and lamentations from Cameron in the chat. There, there was a lot of that, and I feel like, like we we lost Piplup as as a baby, as a stage one, and we lost Monferno as a stage two. Speedy was the only starter to grow up. Yeah, I was two levels away from a close combating, stealth rocking, fire blasting Infernape, and that was robbed from me. So I was very mad. We also lost both our starters two doubles battles because doubles are bullshit double doubles are bullshit this is very very true fuck some doubles battles i'm never voluntarily doing one of those again i don't know what the fuck i was thinking that was my mistake i don't think any of the decisions i made in that battle were mistakes once i was in it my mistake was setting foot in that battle in the goddamn first place so for that i am truly sorry don't eat out kids it also means yours is due now that it's stage three yeah yeah well I won't be putting it out in front of any ice. <laughs> so, yeah, at that point, I was real salty, but I was determined that that was going to be a speed bump and not a brick wall on our week. Because honestly, and it pains me to say this, because Cosmo was great, and I really feel the loss. I don't want to minimize that loss. Infernape is fucking amazing. And... While I have other options, they're not going to be as good as Cosmo would have been. Nothing that I have currently or that I am able to get before the end of the series will replace Cosmo. That is impossible. But 
of all the key members in my team, the, 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 the members that are really pulling weight right now, right? So Crocker, our Umbreon, Jimmy, the Rotom, Arnold, the Gallade, they're irreplaceable to me. I have nothing that can do the unique things that each of them can do. I have another fire type in the bank. I have Porkchop, our Houndour, who can do a lot of the same things, if not as well as Cosmo could do. I also have the possibility of picking up a Magmar in the wild this week, which I'm actually kind of excited for. I've literally never used the Magmar evolutionary line. I've never used a Magby. I've never used a Magmar. I have never used a Magmortar. So if I catch one, I'm going to use it just because it'll be new and different and exciting for me. I didn't want to lose Cosmo. I'm upset that I lost Cosmo. If I had to lose a key player, it's not a bad thing that it was Cosmo. So from there, we, we went on, we, we made our way back to Pastoria City, and then we made our way around and explored Route 212, at which point we found our elderly one percenters, and we said, fuck the Poke Proletariat, I am the Che Guevara of Pokemon, I am reassigning your wealth, and we proceeded to mug them all night long for all of their sweet, sweet Poke dollars. Yeah, you just showed up and were like, I'm your grandkid, you were like, <laughs> have some money. So, finally, at the end of that road... What awaited us this week was the deadly, deadly Cracker Wake and his townhouse tsunami. Now, Wake is terrifying, particularly in Platinum for a number of reasons. If we were doing normal mode, which spoilers, we weren't. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. We're doing hard mode, at least until we're back to being competitive with the series, because we're we're behind. And so that's kind of a necessary thing right now. But even doing normal mode, it's not easy because his first Pokemon is a Gyarados, which is going to take neutral hits from grass types and has ice coverage. Actually, the Gyarados might not have ice coverage, but regardless, grass is not super effective against that Gyarados. He has a Buizel with ice that is going to be super effective against grass types. And then he has a Quagsire who's immune to electric. So one water type counter is usually not going to push you through that gym by just clicking the super effective button and just winning. And then most of his Pokemon are extremely offensive. He has a Gyarados and in Platinum, that Gyarados has stab waterfall. So that's real scary. And then his Buizel or his Floatzel, excuse me, he's a big boy Floatzel like our dear sweet Rocco. His Floatzel has Ice Fang and Crunch. So just really good coverage all around. Ultimately, we decided going into the gym that the strategy was going to be to lead with Crocker because Crocker is so big and fat and Crocker is not reliant on his attack stats. So the Intimidate from the Gyarados means nothing. So lead with Crocker, Toxic the Gyarados, and stall it out for as long as possible. That Gyarados hits real hard. I didn't know if Crocker was going to be able to make it through the Gyarados without having to come out or die. But... The way I looked at it, if he could get it down to the point where it was a turn or two away, that would be enough. So that's what we did. We led with Crocker. We toxic the Gyarados. And Crocker was an absolute phenomenon. He just refused to die. Even when, on the turn that I intended to rest, Waterfall flinched. And that was real scary. Because I did not know if we could live another one and get the rest off. But the math was there. The math told me that unless it crit, or unless it flinched again, I would get one more chance. And it waterfalled Crocker down to 17 HP, and he got the rest off and healed up to full. 
So Crocker was able to solo down the Gyarados without a whole hell of a lot of trouble. Now, the plan was, if Wake had sent out the Quagsire next, was to bring in our Rosalia 2D and paralyze it, bring in Jimmy the Rodom and set screens, and then bring in Arnold and set up Swords Dance and just punch our way to victory. Wake did not bring in the Quagsire next. He brought out the Floatzel. And that immediately scrapped that plan because the Floatzel has Ice Fang to ruin Tootie's day. The Floatzel has Crunch to ruin Jimmy's day. If I was switching at all, it was to switch directly into Arnold. And with the work that Crocker was putting in, that just didn't feel necessary. So we just continued our slow but unstoppable toxic march to victory. We toxic the Floatzel. We rested when necessary. And it died. And then the Quagsire came out. And at this point, there was no reason to do anything else. So we we rinsed. We repeated. We toxicked. We waited. It died. So Crocker led the slow but unstoppable march to hard mode victory against Cracker Wake and 70 big hard mode gym points. Now, at this point, technically, I could have stopped my week there. I completed my gym, could have just leveled to cap and been done. But there was a very compelling reason not to, and that was going all the way to Celestic Town was on our tables for this week. It wasn't really a direct part of Platinum's progression, but it is for Diamond and Pearl. So it was on the table. And this is this week is our doubles PvP showdown. I did not want to be the only asshole coming into doubles battles without Surf. Because, spoiler alert, you get Surf for clearing out Celestic Town. And that's real important in a double setting because it hits both sides of the field. So I didn't want to disadvantage myself. So we wanted to take down Cyrus, which is a scary prospect. Uh, Platinum is the only game to face Cyrus in Celestic Town. And more importantly, I was going to be a little bit underleveled by doing him this week under level cap. If I'd waited until next week, I could have overleveled him a little bit. But we didn't. And here we are. So we pushed on to Celestic Town after chasing down the terrorist who blew up the Great Marsh and, and listening to our goofus of a rival, Taint, just splooge all over Cracker Wake about how his young, supple body was so ready for it. I didn't know that he was into aging professional wrestlers. Now I do. We can't take that back. So we, we did chase down the criminal. We beat his ass. Uh, and Cynthia asked us to go to Celestic Town to deliver some items to her dear sweet granny. So... Onward we went, and the route to Celestic Town was bar none the scariest time we had all fucking week. Because as Mess said, it's just covered in fog, and we did not bring our bat to defog it. So we were missing like crazy when we really couldn't afford to miss. There were a couple of instances, once against that very same Curse Grotel, and once against, oh god, I don't even remember which mon it was, but it knew Double Team. Double Team Luxio. Yes, there was a double team Lexio that just refused to be hit. But thankfully, we were able to squeeze out of those battles without losing anything and just sending me into a frothing salt rage. Thankfully. I thought the fucking Bronzong that came in after that Luxio was going to just murder you. <laughs> it was looking real spoops. It was looking real bad. But we, we got through it. I, and I learned kind of a valuable lesson about going anyplace foggy without a defogger, even if it means carrying yet another goddamn HM slave on my roster. 
I hate the excessive amount of HMs in Gen 3, and Gen 4 is starting to give me some of the same vibes. Otherwise, I have very positive impressions. But yeah, the reliance on so many HMs, not as much. But we did finally reach Celestic Town, and once there, we had to face down the head of Team Galactic for the very first time, Cyrus. Now, my plan coming into the Cyrus fight was actually... You know, we had just come out of the Crasher Wake gym and demolished him with nothing but Umbreon. So I was just like, shit, why don't we do the same thing to Cyrus? So I led with Crocker, the Umbreon. Cyrus led out with a Sneasel, and immediately my plans were thrown out of whack because turn one, that Sneasel, you screech. And I was just like, fuck. Crocker's a big, bulky boy. I don't want to leave Crocker out against everything Cyrus has two stages down on his defense. That's less than ideal. So I immediately switched into Arnold, our Glade. And that was a scary move because that Sneasel's real fucking strong. Even as a base level Pokemon, it ice punched and took a good 35-40% of, of Arnold's health on the switch. Thankfully, it's quad weak to fighting. So Arnold punched it once, got most of that health back, and it just kind of crumpled into a ball of tissue paper and died. Then, and this actually made me kind of grateful that things went the way they did, Cyrus sent out a Golbat. I didn't realize Golbat was his second Pokemon, and obviously I wouldn't have been able to Toxic Stall that thing anyway. So Arnold was the correct choice there, and just Psycho Cut it, and then it died. Finally, he sent out a Murkrow, and that terrified me for Arnold, because I knew that that thing was going to have powerful Flying Stab. So I immediately switched back to Crocker, and that was a great decision, because it immediately drill pecked and took a chunk out of Crocker's health. So... That very well could have been Arnold right there if we'd have been cocky and stayed in. But at that point, Crocker did what he does. He poisoned the bird, and he watched it slowly struggle itself to death. So with that, we defeated Cyrus, we claimed our Surf HM, and we claimed our points for defeating the evil team leader. And guess what, guys? We're back in triple-digit points we're not competitive by any stretch of the imagination. Mess is over 300. We're sitting at one. But we're back in triple digits. It's happening. It's happening. Compared to where we were two weeks ago, it's astounding. So I'm not where I want to be, but I'll take it. So you've been through a lot of faces. I feel like we had this conversation last series. You've been through a lot of faces. How do you feel about your new, new team? Honestly, I feel great about this team. I don't feel great about the path that we took to get here, if that makes a whole lot of sense. And some of the mistakes that I've made along the way, you know, I, I feel the lack of that Scyther, particularly, like, that sucked. That being said, this is a damn good fucking team. That Ralts was a choice pickup. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's not the sweeper that I wanted. It's the sweeper that I needed. And he's a good, good boy. I've got a lot of things that are pulling a lot of weight. I really can't complain about Pokemon. I have a good, good squad. So, out of your your new friends, who's pulling that early MVP nod? For the early game? Jimmy. Hands down, Jimmy. He has He's not always the flashiest member of my team, but he is more consistently and more often pulled weight in both gym battles and PvP than I think literally anybody else has. Hands down, Rodom. Yeah, your Rodom's been pretty good. He's one of the other reasons why I leveled my Blissey this week. Celeste, you there? <laughs> I am. <laughs> You're up. I am up. Okay. So this week, um, it was pretty short, just like Mezes. What I started out with is I wanted to just get through and pre prepare for the gem. 
I decided to level my Blissey as well, just because I couldn't think of any other way to beat Fantima without without super effective moves. With that Blissey, it made Fantima kind of a joke, but we'll go into that. So, we spent a lot of time leveling, but before that, we chased down Team, uh, team Plasma and Mesra's right. That was a really weird, hilarious cutscene, but I honestly want to mention the rival battle in the middle of it. Because he comes up to you and starts fighting you, and then he mentions that the frickin' Team Plasma person was suspicious, and you should go chase after them. Celeste, it's Team Galactic. Team Plasma's not until next game. Oh, shit. Why? <laughs> I'm really fucked up. Don't know what's up with me. It is Team Galactic. Why would I say Team Plasma? Uh, it's been a week. As I said, my brain is fried. Anyway, but, um... So yeah, Team Galactic chasing down them. Frickin' rival just interrupts you and is a joke. There has not been a good rival since, honestly, Gen 2. I, I've not seen a good rival fight. I, I mean, the end of the game in Gen 3 is a decent fight, but that's one fight, and, you know, it's not consistent. I would I would disagree with you pretty heavily, Celeste. I think that, what's his actual canonical name? Barry? Is this guy Barry? I feel like he's a Barry. I feel like Barry is at least on par with where Silver was in Gen 2. Like, he's... And he's head and shoulders above Brendan and May in Series 3. Maybe he is for you. Like, every time I run into that dude, I just lead with a Luxray, one-shot his first two Pokemon, switch once, and one-shot his second two Pokemon. He's yet to become threatening. Yeah, I've never seen him as a threat. I mean, he's got the same comp that literally every rival has, though. He has one, he has fire, water, grass, and he has his flying type. Like, I mean, that's that's standard rival fare. Yeah, but he never hits me. <laughs> I, he doesn't do anything. Th- that, that might just mean that you're better at Pokemon and not that he's a worse rival. Yeah, that could be. Hey, hey, Silver was a fucking demon. Yes, yes, he was. That man was dangerous all the time i don't know i don't know i i have a feeling that barry will be better later but right now if i know he's coming and i lead right there ain't no threat (laughs) yeah barry the rival or whatever uh i don't know waldo where's waldo Waldo. taint doofin taint whatever you want to call it uh he just doesn't seem to put up much of a fight. It might be. I'm just better, I guess. I, I guess I can agree to that. Well, by the end of the series, he's going to have a Heracross and a Snorlax. So Yeah, it, it's going to get real bad later, but it's not right now. Yeah, that Heracross and Snorlax is going to be pretty terrifying. My Heracross is terrifying. So after that, we have freaking chased down Team Galactic. Yes, I got the name right this time. And he has one cat. Why? One cat. One cat. Not even an evolved cat, just one cat. Why do you even exist? Like, why even waste my time? And so, yeah, he was just comic relief that annoys the crap out of you because you have to keep chasing him. After that, it was just basically smooth sailing, leveling by beating up old people and taking their money and getting a bunch of TMs. And that took most of my time. At the end of the night, I had prepared with my Blissey, and leveled a few of my other Pokemon up to 36 to be prepared. And what I had planned to do to deal with the Drifloom, because I didn't want to lead with Blissey on that, I led with my Gyarados. Just for the easy way to deal with the Drifloom by using Dragon Rage, and just chunking it that way. That went pretty smoothly. 
made her use all her potions. By the end of it, my Gyarados was at 70 HP. I was ready for the Gengar. I was going to hit it once. Instead, she threw out her Miss Magius. And so I switched into Blissey and proceeded to Toxic, heal myself, and minimize to the point where her Miss Magius couldn't do anything. And the Gengar came back out after the Miss Magius died to Toxic. And I was kind of scared, but I kept Blissey out for a bit and took him down to, I think, a third of his health with Ice Beam. And then I switched into Jordy and had Jordy finish off the Gengar, just to be safe. And yeah, that was hard mode. It wasn't bad. For the rest of the week, it was just leveling, getting everything up. We did get some encounters. I caught a Cherubi on Route 212 because I realized I could use a Honey Tree. And the Honey Tree has been pretty nice to me, you know. The only thing that I would really want would be a, a Munchlax, and that's not going to happen. Munchlax is like, what, a 1% chance off of a tree that has another... It's a 1% chance off of four randomly assigned trees in the entire world. Yeah, so it's just not going to happen. I would love a Munchlax, but it's not going to happen. And I've got, the trees have been really good to me. A Heracross and a female Combi? Like, how does that even happen? So I got a Cheruby, and then in the trophy garden, I picked up a Pichu. And then, since we got Surf this week, I wanted to look into getting a decent water Pokemon that I could run. Unfortunately, I got a Wingle out of Route 218, which we had left. I was hoping for something better. So, that was it for the encounters. We leveled, we ended up with our our party being our Gyarados, our uh, Rosalia, our Rampardos, our Bronzor now, or no, Bronzong now, sorry, our um, Blissey. Our Heracross, our Vespaquen, and our good, good shiny Riker. And they're all ready to try doubles. Celeste, you, your team's seen quite a few like changes and iterations over the last couple of weeks. Do you how how are you feeling about where it stands right now? I know you were pretty happy with it when we were talking the other day, but I know that you weren't exactly happy with PvP the last two weeks. So how are you feeling about the team overall? You see, I'm happy with what I've got, and I, I know I've been really fortunate in a lot of things. Like, I've gotten some really cool encounters and really strong Pokemon. Like, that Vespaquin and that Heracross, are, I didn't expect to get either of them. So I've got really strong Pokemon. I just haven't figured out how to glue them all together yet. I just don't know how to make a, a working team out of them yet. That's fair. I, I think TMs are going to be a big factor. This week should show some interesting ideas. So we'll see that how that works out. Yeah, I... So, we'll have to see how my team actually works out this week to make a decision on that. Okay, cool. Who's uh, who's your MVP? That's a hard question. I don't really have a pick. Martok has good stats and has done a lot, but he hasn't really done much in-game. And he's hit hard in PvP, but he's always struggled versus most things. Honestly, I'd have to say Deanna. Not for PvP, but just for getting me through hard mode gems. Deanna was able to get me the Crasher Wake, and then got me through the beginning of Fantima. And as much as it pains me to say, it would be that Magikarp that is now a dragon. For a little bit of context, folks, this is from the woman who, after Series 3, told us that she could not stand Gyarados, that she regretted ever running one, and that she was never going to use one on her team ever again, now saying that it is the MVP of her team in the very next series. You lose your starter at the beginning of the game and then figure out what you're going to run for a water type. (laughs) Sorry, that wasn't funny. It's it's sad when penguins die. I was going to replace the Gyarados with Edgar, but Edgar just, without the actual good ability for Quagsire, he just can't pull his weight in PvP. I'm just I'm just teasing you, Hun. You're, you're totally fine. I'm glad you're getting good value out of it. Hopefully that'll help turn that negative preconception of that particular evolutionary line around a little bit. 
Well, guys, that's that's our week in gameplay. And as as much as I wish it was otherwise, not everybody is coming with us into week six. So I will take just a moment to say goodbye to the one who's not coming with us. Cosmo, you're you were my starter, not the starter that I started with, but the starter that was leading the charge for for the come up and you were really good and really fast and really strong and that was only going to magnify this week when you finally turned into a big boy infernape and got that incredible close combat and you never got the chance to grow up fuck a chingling i'm real sorry dude goodbye chingling out for blood I, I am going to indiscriminately murder that evolutionary line everywhere I see it from now on. I don't give a fuck. If I encounter a shiny chingling, that fucker's dead. I don't even care. <laughs> I thought about running mine just to be mean, <laughs> but I decided against Trolly it. PvP. <laughs> yes. Do it. Give me some catharsis. I will murder the shit out of that thing. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to live, that's for sure. I don't even know how it killed Cosmo. Hacks? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That thing should not be hitting that hard. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a thing. All right, guys, well, that was our week in gameplay, but as always, we weren't the only ones playing. Uh, this week did bring another series of email updates from our friends playing along at home. Now, firstly, this week brought another email from our good, good buddy in the land down under, Aliara. Mess buddy, would you read Aliara's email for us, please? Yeah, sure thing. Aliara says, G'day, Blastburn crew. Another week, another update. However, this week didn't require much to do in terms of gameplay except fight a big shirtless dude who seemed really upset nobody got his name right. This gym was the first in my run that got a little spoopy due to the majority of my team not having much to deal with water types quickly. However, the gym was overcome by best boy Licky Licky, and our journey continues. We ran into Barry outside the gym, who had sworn his young pubescent body to do his cracker wake pleased, but he just kept yelling, it's Crasher. The team at the end of the week is Flaren the Infernape, Bloma the Roselia, Valyord the Golduck, Malm the Gliscor, Ripsalis the Yon Mega, and best boy Scub the Licky Licky. Also, strangely, after Monferno evolved, a strange feeling overcame me to find a Pikachu and sacrifice Infernape to the Nuzlocke gods. Strange, I know. Hope that runs are going well from your friend down under, Aliar. Thank you very much, Aliar. And as much as I appreciate giving Cam some much-needed shit, you take damn good care of that monkey, sir. You do it for Cosmo, goddammit. Also, I am super-duper glad that Scub is everything that I hoped and dreamed he would be. <laughs> He's just got a great name. Yeah, Licky Licky is such an adorable dope of a Pokemon. I can't help but love it. I can't. Now, this week also brought our first ever email update from our good buddy in our Discord server, Jerry. Celeste, would you read Jerry's email for us, please? Yeah, sure. Jerry says, Howdy, friends. I'm a short-time listener and a first-time writer. That being said, I'm wholly engrossed in, the, in this podcast. My name on Discord is Jerry, and it's Cinnaburster on Twitch. I found the podcast about a month ago when I was looking for something to listen to on a two-and-a-half drive from one end of Ohio to the other, and since then, binge-listened until I was caught up. Your challenge has inspired me to attempt my first-ever Nuzlocke in Fire Red. I don't have any special rules other than that I can't swap out team members from the box unless someone dies, and the naming convention is whatever comes to mind at that specific moment. Currently, the team is in the Rock Tunnel en route to Celadon City, and the team as current is Haley the War Turtle, 
Sneck the Ekans, and it says, new to the team after the death of Malva Minky to a crit magnitude number nine. Oh, I feel that. Fuck a Geodude, indeed. Marlin the Gyarados, Proclaimer the Gloom, Luckburb the Pidgeotto, and lastly, Donger the Dicklid? Okay. Best of luck, luck to you all. I'm really looking forward to the rest of Sinnoh and the hashtag come up. Much love, Jerry. Thank you for your email, Jerry. And, and listeners, in case you're wondering, Celeste didn't just get really confused. Apparently that Diglett's name is in fact Donger, which is fucking hilarious to me. Uh, <laughs> we are really glad that you're enjoying the show. And it's really awesome that you've decided to dive into Nuzlocking for yourself. Like that makes us feel pretty good. Now, I do also just want to take a moment to say a real quick thank you to all of our listeners who submitted their teams for the July Showdown Spotlight Friday Night Fight. We received viewer-submitted teams from our good buddies Old School Bliss, Flame and Air, and Aliara, and we were able to use all those teams on stream on Showdown and talk about what made them good and what could maybe use improvement, and just in general, just have a lot of fun using them and dissecting them. It was a really great time, so thank you for everyone who came to the stream, and a special thank you to those three who submitted their own teams. We really appreciate it yeah that was really great thank you very much guys and we did a lot of winning last night so you did a real good job putting those teams together yeah and unlike with the glycor like spotlight most of the winning we were doing was actually due to the snorlaxes so that was pretty cool that toxic community though <laughs> <laughs> Oh, geez. Now, remember, guys, if you are a proud member of the Blast Burn Nation, like our good friends Aliara and Jerry, uh, and if you're playing along with us at home or if you're just following our show and want to give us your thoughts, we want to hear from you. Uh, be sure to get at us by email or through any and all social media, and we will share your messages with our community because at the end of the day, we're all in this together. Now, guys, tonight is a very special night in our series. We agreed at the start of Series 4 to a single pvp showdown using the double battle format and that is tonight so our hosts have had to come up with wholly new strategies to hopefully find success in this very different battle format now coming into tonight's showdown our buddy messer engine is still sitting in that top spot and he brings in a score of 310 points celeste is still in second and she was able to once again narrow the gap with her gameplay this week she brings in a score of 280 I, Jolly by Nature, am still well in third place, but good news, I have points now. I bring in a score of 100 points, so I'm still significantly behind, but compared to where we were two weeks ago, I will definitely take it. Now, as always, last week's big winner in PvP must defend the stick first, and this week, that was me, Celeste, I challenge you. Let's do it. All right, guys, well, here we go. All right, folks, here we are for our one and only Devil's Battle this generation. It's sure to be a tongue twister, so listen close. It's Celeste Loss versus Jolly by Nature. Celeste is opening with Shiny Riker. It's a Star Raptor now, right? Will evolve this week. Sweet. And Lore, her Bronzong. And Jolly is opening up with Porkchop, that good Houndoom, and Montalvo, the Porygon 2. Are you two ready to battle? Yeah, let's do it. I am. All right. You may begin. Jolly switches out his Houndoom in in for uh, Jimmy, his Rotom. 
Uh, Montalvo takes a close combat, gets reduced real, real low, but gets a Thunderbolt out on Shiny Riker. Shiny Riker eats it. That Thunderbolt does a lot of damage. And Lore uses Gyro Ball and finishes off Montalvo. Early salvo, one Pokemon down each. It's Jimmy and Lore staring each other down, waiting for their next doubles partner to come out. That is going to be Torres, that good, good stone dino for Celeste, and Angelica, the... Uh, it's Krogunk still, right? It didn't evolve this week? It is still a Krogunk, yes. It's still a Krogunk. That good poison type, which I like a whole lot. A Thunderbolt from Jimmy brings Torres down to 37%. Torres, man, things go by fast. Uh, Angelica uses Earthquake, finishes off Torres. War survives that Earthquake, puts up a light screen, and is at 75%. Out comes Kira, the Vespa Queen for Celeste Lost. I love that Vespa Queen. It's so good. Jimmy uses Reflect, putting up that good shield. Angelica uses Brick Break to destroy that light screen that was put up earlier. Lore is down to 56% from that attack. Kira uses U-Turn. Uh, it's not very effective on the opposing Jimmy, bringing Jimmy down to 86%. Kira switches out for Martok, the Heracross. And Lore uses Reflect. Got them shields up. A Night Slash from Martok brings Jimmy down to 27%. Jimmy returns with a Thunderbolt, bringing Martok down to 51%. Angelica uses Brick Break again on Lore to break that Reflect, bringing Lore down to 34%. And Lore Gyro Balls uh, on Jimmy. It's not very effective. Jimmy is at 13%. Another Night Slash from Martok drops Jimmy. An Earthquake from Angelica brings Martok down to 41% and Lore down to 7%. Lore gets off that Reflect once more and it is up. Out comes Porkchop for Jolly, that Houndoom back on the field. A Fire Blast from Porkchop finishes off Martok and a Brick Break from Angelica finishes off Lore the Bronzom. Out comes Deanna the Gyarados for Celeste Loss and Kara the Vesper Queen. These are her last two Pokemon. Porkchop and Angelica are still sitting at 100%, but have been intimidated, lowering their attack. Angelica comes out in favor of Arnold on Jolly's side. Porkchop utilizes Thunderfang, bringing Deanna down to 55%. Deanna uses Surf, bringing Porkchop down to uh, 55%, and Arnold down to 81%. And Kira uses Defend Order, raising its defense and special defense. A Swords Dance from Arnold increases its attack. A Fire Blast from Porkchop to Kira brings Kira down to 14%. Deanna uses another Surf, bringing Porkchop down to 10% and Arnold down to 59%. Kira uses another Defend Order and is now at two stages of defense and special defense up. A Psycho Cut from Arnold drops Deanna and a Fire Blast from Porkchop drops Kira. The winner is Jolly by Nature. Congratulations, Jolly. Good game, Celeste. Those Fire Blasts were on point. Good game. Yeah. <laughs> well, I missed the one that mattered in gameplay, so it's about time that I fucking hit. <laughs> Every single one hit and wrecked me. Good game. I mean, that's not shocking. It's a 90% accurate move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
All right. Well, as always, loser gives up the stick. And so that time, this time that's going to be Celeste. That's going to fa- have myself facing off against Messer Engine in our second match of the evening. Uh, Celeste, the mic is yours. Yep. So we have BBR Jolly leading out Montalvo and Porkchop. And we have Messer Engine leading out with Reefs and Slush. Slush is new to the team. It is the, uh, what is it called? A, it's a Gastrodon. Gastrodon, yes. You two ready? You ready, buddy? Yeah, let's do it. Do it again. Mesur Engine switches into his bronze on copper. Porkchop uses beat up on Slush, and Slush takes about 20% of its health. And a Thunderbolt from Montalvo hits Copper down to 50% of its health, but then it recovers using a Citrus Berry. Slush then uses Rain Dance. It is raining. Another beat up hits Slush again, and it gets it down to around 60% health. Another Thunder from Montalvo hits Copper to 23% health. A Light Screen is set up by Copper, and then Slush flinches so it can't attack. They're staring each other down. That flinch was really clutch. So... I specifically ran beat up with King's Rock to fish for flinches this week. <laughs> Jolly switches out his um, Hound Doom for Arnold, and Mez switches out into Jinxie from his Gyarados. Or no, from Copper, I'm sorry. Alright, so right now we have Jinxie and Slush on Mezzer's inside, and we have Montalvo and Arnold on BVR Jolly's side. A Thunderbolt from Montalvo hits Jinxie for 20% of its health, and then a Surf from Slush hits Montalvo and Arnold for 48 and 47% of their health. They're both at 52 and 53% respectively. It also chunked Jinxie for about half of his health. Surf don't care. Oh, Surf hit Jinxie. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, you're right. Surf don't care. A Leaf Blade from Arnold finishes off Slush, and a Thunder from Jinxie finishes off Arnold. And that boosted Surf, it really hit Jinxie hard. Angelica, Angelica and Jimmy are out for a BVR Jolly, and Speedy comes out for a Miser Engine. And it was last turn that Jimmy came out for Montalvo. Doubles are really messing with me. <laughs> They're staring at each other. Copper comes back out for Miser Engine, switching in for Jinxie. A Shadow Ball from Jimmy hits Speedy for 25% of its health. An Ice Punch from Angelica hits Speedy down to 28% health, and then an Earthquake from Speedy doesn't affect Jimmy hits Angelica for 100% of its health, and it doesn't affect Copper because it's Levitate as well. Porkchop comes back out for BBR Jolly to replace Angelica. A Fire Blast from Porkchop finishes off Speedy. Jimmy sets up a Reflect, and Copper uses a Confuse Ray, confusing Jimmy, as well as Mezzer Engine's Light Screen wears off this turn. Jinxie comes back out for Mezzer Engine to replace Speedy. They're staring each other down. Montalvo comes back out for, Mez- er, for BBR Jolly, and Porkchop uses Fire Blast to finish off Copper. And Jinxie uses Crunch and hits Montalvo for 20% of its health. It's at 32% now. And Download did increase Montalvo's attack. Increases special. It beat up, hits Reefs many times, four times, and knocks its HP to 86%. Reefs finishes off Montalvo for a turn before it has a chance to Thunderbolt it. Jimmy comes out for a BBR Jolly, replacing Montalvo. And Rocco comes out replacing Porkchop. And then, yeah, Jimmy finishes off the reefs with a Thunderbolt. Good game, sir. Yeah, my only hope was to get the flinch. Yeah, it was looking real spoops there, and, and even then it would have been a tough duke out with what was left. But you, you played real well, T. Good game. Yeah, I forgot that Surf isn't one side of the field, so I I I hit myself for a lot of damage on a key player. Yeah, 
yeah I, again you played real fucking well like you you did an excellent job good good fucking game man all right well that's that's that that's two of our matches for the evening down there is one remaining with messer engine and celeste once again duking it out for the remaining pvp points on the week so let's go ahead and jump into that uh in the diamond corner we have celeste lost leading out with lore her bronzong and deanna her gyarados in the Pearl Corner, we have Messer Engine leading out with his own Gyarados Reefs, and with Slush, his Gastrodon. Everyone is goddamn intimidated. Are you ready, folks? Yeah. Okay, you may begin. And to lead out turn one, Reefs goes first and jumps right into a return, dealing 22% to Deanna, the opposing Gyarados. Deanna taunts Slush, which prevents the rain dance. Slush cannot use support moves after the taunt, and Lore gets off a light screen on Celeste's side of the field. And on the following turn, Reefs once again leads out with a bite. I'm assuming hoping for that good, good flinch. Unfortunately... He does not get it as Deanna returns fire with a return to Reefs, dealing 28% of his health. Slush uses a Mud Bomb, which is super effective. However, it is also affected by the Light Screen against Lore, the Bronzong, dealing 28% of his health. And Lore uses a Reflect. Both screens are now up on Celeste's side of the field. And Reefs, the Gyarados, comes back out in favor of Copper the Bronzong, who switches into a return, which is not very effective, dealing only 11%. Slush goes back to the Mud Bomb against Lore, the Bronzong dealing 34% of Lore's health this time, and Lore uses Safeguard, preventing any status on his side of the field. The Taunt has now worn off on Slush as well. And Lore the Bronzong switches out in favor of Martok the Heracross, Deanna then outspeeds using Taunt. Copper was going for the Reflect, but now cannot use it after the Taunt. And Slush uses a Mud Bomb, which is not very effective, but is a crit and deals 29% of Martok's health. That's pretty damn respectable after a Light Screen. And Slush, the Gastrodon, comes back out in favor of Radar the Crobat. Radar switches in just in time to watch Martok do a happy little dance using Swords Dance, raising that attack to, frankly, terrifying levels. Deanna uses Taunt on Radar, which I don't think bothers the bat too much. I don't think he was going for a support move. And Copper uses Gyro Ball, dealing 12% of Martok's health, leaving Martok at 59%, Deanna at 65%, and both of them still behind all three screens. And Copper comes back out in favor of Reefs the Gyarados, getting an Intimidate off on the switch. Radar outspeeds everything on the field using Wing Attack and in one shot removing the threat that is Martok from the field. Deanna uses Return, dealing 19% to Radar after the double Intimidate. And Torres, that big strong Rampardos coming out for Celeste. And on the following turn, Radar leads out with the Cross Poison on Deanna, dealing 16% on the hit. Reefs uses the Aqua Tail, which is huge against Torres, dealing 90% of Torres's health on the hit. Deanna and Torres double into Radar, the Crobat. Deanna using Return for 21%, and Torres using Zen Headbutt for all of the rest. It was a crit, but I don't think that crit honestly mattered. Radar went down like a sack of bricks. Jinxie, the Luxray, coming out for Messer Engine. The safeguard also fell from Celeste's side of the field. She is now vulnerable to status once again. 
And on the following turn, Jinxie outspeeds everything on the field using Spark on Deanna, which is enough to bring her down. Reefs uses Bite on Torres, which is enough to bring him down. That clears Celeste's side of the field. And the light screen wears off. Only Reflect remains. So Celeste sends out Lore, who's still sitting at 38% health, as well as Riker, who is at full and gets an Intimidate off on the switch. And Riker outspeeds everything and uses U-Turn, coming right back out for Celeste in favor of her final Pokemon, Kira the Vespaquin. Kira switches into a Thunder, which does hit, dealing 69% of her health. She also takes a return for an additional 17% of her health. Takes her down to 14% on the turn she switches in. Lore uses Reflect, but it fails because the Reflect was not yet off the field. It is now, though. There are no screens active for Celeste. And on the following turn, Jinxie outspeeds everything else on the field and brings Kira down with a spark. Reefs uses return. I'm guessing that was meant to hit the Vespaquin just in case. I doubt Mess would have chosen to click return against the Bronzong, but it hits the Bronzong for 9%. Uh, Lore uses Gyro Ball on Jinxie, which is not very effective, dealing 24% of the Luxray's health. And out comes Riker, Celeste's final Pokemon. She is down to her last two. And Riker outspeeds everything else on the field with the return, which is enough by itself to bring down Jinxie the Luxray. Uh, Reefs, the Gyarados, uses return, but after two Intimidates, it only deals 23% damage to Riker. And Lore uses Reflect, so they are now behind the physical screen once again on Celeste's side of the field. Slush the Gastrodon comes back out to replace Jinxie the Luxray. And once again, Riker does outspeed, leading out with return, dealing 54% to Reefs, a huge hit. Reefs returns with an Ice Fang, dealing 21% damage to Riker. Slush, however, uses Ice Beam, which is more than enough by itself to bring Riker down. And then finally, Lore uses Gyro Ball, which is a crit. It's not very effective, so that crit might have mattered, and that was enough to polish off Reefs. Speedy comes out for Messer Engine. Nothing comes out for Celeste. Lore is at 29% and it is Celeste's final Pokemon. And Slush comes back out in favor of Copper the Bronzong. Uh, and Speedy uses Earthquake, which does not hit Copper due to Levitate. It does hit Lore, however, and that is enough for Messer Engine to claim his victory. Good game, all. Good game, Celeste. Good game. Okay, so looking at our point standings after PvP... Messer Engine remains in the lead, and once again, he has undone Celeste's hard work from her hard mode gym victory and re-extended his lead to 60 points. He is at a score of 340. Celeste remains in second with her score of 280, and I, Jolly by Nature, picking up another 60 points on the week, am up to 160. The come up, y'all. The come up. Uh, how, how are we feeling after PvP tonight, guys? I mean, I'm feeling pretty good. I set up my team pretty well for doubles this week. Against Celeste, that really paid off. Uh, and I just, I killed my own luck straight. So, against you. And that <laughs> mattered a fuck ton. So, I got no one to blame but myself. I mean, you you still did real fucking well, mess. Like, just even comparing week by week with how our battle went last week to how it went this week. Like you, you prepped and it showed you did real fucking well. Slush did a good job. Slush did a real damn good job. I was, I was this fucking close to leading with Arnold and I didn't, I was like, no, 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 this lead makes sense. And I really wish I had. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that you had leaf blade. Like one of the things I, 
I definitely haven't been doing this series is I have not been checking your move sets at the end of every week. I would not have left her in versus the leaf blade if I had known it was there. How about you, Celeste? How are you feeling after PvP this week? So I'd forgotten it was doubles week and I wasn't about to go reprep. So my team wasn't really set up for that, even out of eight. So I just pulled in what I could to figure out. Some strategies worked, some didn't. Problem is there's lots of lightning to deal with on both teams. And a lot of my stuff is really weak against lightning. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, electric, ice, they're they're two of the most common attacking types in the game for a reason. They hit a lot of shit real good. You know, it is what it is. I feel pretty fucking good. I think that I'm I'm very impressed by Porkchop. I wasn't entirely sure how the moveset and the items and the EVs that I gave her were going to work in practice. And she put in fucking work this week. She's a good, good doggo. Yeah, Porkchop was pretty good. It, it could, could definitely take some hits, which was great. I don't think I ever got a chance to hit it with Surf off of Slush. It was out at that time, so I don't know how much damage it would have done. I know coming off of Celeste's Gyarados, it wasn't doing a ton, but Gyarados really isn't a special attacker. so It would have done all the damage. It, it, <laughs> it's why, how much would it have done? All of it. <laughs> all the damage. Yeah, you know, uh, I looked at Slush's IVs today. Because I knew all the investment I had put into the EVs for her. And it's got a max HP IV and a nearly max special attack IV. But it's got a shit defense IV. It's got like a four. (laughs) I forget which of my mod it is, but one of them has a zero somewhere. It's not an important IV, but they legitimately have a zero IV in one of their stats. It's, (laughs) yay, Nuzlocke's. I'm glad that I invested in the ice beam for slush too. That came in big in that last match. Yeah, yeah, I think th- I think that it's easy for me to say obviously, but I think that there's stuff to be happy about for all of us even if it didn't translate directly into points this week. Man, Martok got hit hard by that wing attack. Yeah, Martok's a monster. Like but but he's got a hit. <laughs> yeah, that four times uh effective versus uh Crobat. I wasn't thinking I should have switched. I should have switched them out. It's it, it's real hard to make that decision though when you're looking at a boosted sweeper. Like it's real hard to be like I should throw this away. <laughs> but I really well, reflect have. was up too. Like I figured you stayed in because you thought you could live it with reflect up. I thought I could have with reflect. I thought wrong. Martok's defense is no joke either. He's got a decent defense. It's not that great because it's you know it's a hair cross, but it's seventy five. Yeah, I mean quad weaknesses are quad weaknesses though. Yeah. I was not expecting that fucking Zen headbutt. It is hard. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Psychic physical damage of death, that's what it is. Alright, well that is that is week five. Week five is in the book, so let's go ahead and take a minute to look ahead to week six and what that is going to bring to our favorite competitors uh this week our hosts have access to surf and thus there are several areas that are off the beaten path that we have access to explore now uh this includes the fuego ironworks to the west of the valley windworks as well as routes 219 220 and 221 which are the ones that you surf to from the south of sand gem town and there's all sorts of useful encounters and items in all of those places for us to pursue when our hosts are done exploring they will head back to jubilife city where they'll be surfing west through route 28 
18 to reach Canalave City. Here we will battle our hyperactive rival once again and take the ferry to Iron Island, a deep dungeon full of promising rewards, including a mysterious egg. Finally, our host will return to Canalave City to challenge Rourke's very own Dad Norman, the iron-willed Byron of Canalave City Gym. Our level limit for this week's gameplay is going to be 39. How how are we feeling going into week six, guys? I don't like steel gyms ever. <laughs> I just don't. Resist all. Yeah, I I don't really like Byron. I said last week that Crasher Wake was of the gym leaders remaining the one that I was the most concerned about, and that was true at the time. But I did a little bit of looking at Byron today, and I'm a little bit more spooked now that I really have a good thorough idea of what I'm coming up against. So we'll we'll have to see how prep goes. I mean, if I want to go easy, Speedy can probably just quake his way through oh, the yeah. entire gym. Oh, yeah. If I'm going easy, then Arnold can just drain punch. It's drain punch. But, yeah. Yeah, if I'm going hard, it's going to be a rough time. You need a, you need a good jump left. That's what you need. Oh, man. Uh, there's a part of me that legitimately cannot wait until we do Heart Gold Soul Silver so I can bring about the return of Columbia and just make you guys rage again. I, I can't wait. Good fucking God. I hated that thing. <laughs> I literally clapped like a small child when Snorlax ate it. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Well, that is our show for the week. And as always, we want to be sure that you guys know when and where you can find us streaming. Now, Messer Engine is generally up to stream first on the week. Mess Buddy, is that going to hold true this week as well? Yeah, it is. I will be online at my normal time, 6 p.m. at twitch.tv slash Engine. I'll also probably be on in the morning for our Super Retro Sunday stream if you're into that. But it'll already have gone by by the time you listen to this probably. So if you were there, thanks. If not, maybe next time. Hey guys, it's your boy Jolly from the future. And I am... Here, busting in because I goofed pretty hard when we were recording the other night, so I apologize for that. First of all, I apologize for the terrible, terrible audio you've been listening to all night. Apparently, my children figured out there were knobs on my microphone and decided to fuck up all of my carefully calibrated settings. I will be more vigilant for that in the future. Also, I spend a great deal of time rambling on about our compressed recording schedule this week because of... Gen Con, the convention I was going to this weekend, well, it's not actually this weekend, it's next weekend, I got my dates mixed up, because I am a derp, so you can disregard all of that, your boy Jolly will be streaming at the normal time and place over at twitch.tv slash jollybynature, Tuesday and Friday evening, once again, 9pm Eastern, twitch.tv slash jollybynature, and I will kick it back to the show. Now, Celeste, that does leave you, hon. When can our listeners expect to find you streaming on Twitch? I'll be streaming on Wednesday in the evening at 7.30 p.m. And that'll be at twitch.tv slash lost. And if a second night is needed, it'll be at Thursday at the same time. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Now, as always, we do want to hear from you. We want your emails, whether you are playing along with us at home, doing your own super dope challenge run that you just want to tell us all about, or if you just want to give us your thoughts and feelings on our show, please send us your emails to blastburnradio at gmail.com or get at the show on Twitter or Facebook at blastburnradio. We want to hear from you. Uh, now, as always, you can follow me personally on Twitter at BBRJolly. I'm at Celeste Lost. And I'm at Messer Andrew. 
Thanks. And don't forget, as always, to check out Mythic Portal Games for all of your online role-playing assets, uh, as well as their partner company, Astral VTT, uh, if you're looking for a really good virtual tabletop to play all of your great, great online gaming on. And be sure to follow the show at Blastburn Radio on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date on what all of our hosts are doing all around the web. Now, I do want to thank everyone for joining us today. I want to give a very special thank you, as always, to my co-host, Messer Engine and Celeste, for Blastburn Radio, I am Jolly by Nature. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. See you next week, folks. See you next time. Blastburn Radio is a production of Challenge Accepted Media. This episode was produced by Jolly by Nature, Celeste Lost, and Messer Engine. Pokemon and all related games and characters are the property and trademark of Nintendo, Game Freak, and the Pokemon Company. Opening music in today's episode includes Game On by Fishy off the OC Remix album, The Missing No Tracks. Check out this great album at missingno.ocremix.org. Battle music in today's episode provided by Glitch X City. Check out all her work on YouTube or SoundCloud at Glitch X City. Closing music in today's episode is Cantilave City Remix by Say, S-E-I-I. You can check out all her tracks at youtube.com slash saytunes. Design work and stream assets provided by Rachel Mondragon. Check out her portfolio or contact her for commissions at rachelmondragon.com. Blastburn Radio and its hosts are solely responsible for its content.